Well, I agreed to preach several months ago, never imagining that you would be watching me on a screen or that I would be feeling like a televangelist right now. <laughs> Otherwise, I might not have said yes. Um, these are strange times we're living in, aren't they? But I'm so glad that we can be together um, in this way. It's hard to believe that last Sunday was Easter. And like many of you, our family worshiped and rejoiced in the truth that Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. And as Corey mentioned, we are still in the season of Easter. This is a season that the church celebrates for 50 days because that was how long it was between Jesus' resurrection and Pentecost. But I have to be honest with you. The Monday after Easter was emotionally hard for me. Easter was this great high, this, this glorious celebration, this yay, Jesus rose again. He's triumphed over death. We had a wonderful time with family. We celebrated the, the risen Christ. And then Monday arrived. And I was like, oh, wait, we are still in this same hard place of coronavirus quarantine. We're still in a season when we have to stay home, be socially distant, and for who knows how long, 50 more days, more? And I found myself thinking to myself and feeling, now what? Now what? What do we do? We're in this in-between time. And I sort of imagine that that could have been a little bit how the disciples felt in our text this morning from Acts chapter 1. After that first Easter Sunday, when Jesus came back to life, he spent time with his disciples for 40 days, the scripture says, proving himself alive by many convincing proofs and speaking about the kingdom of God. That's in the first part of Acts chapter 1, verse 3. And how awesome it must have been to be with their beloved Jesus again, their teacher, their master, their best friend. They'd seen him die, and now to their joy and amazement, he was alive again, spending time with them, being with them. How would you feel if someone you loved that had died came back to life and you could be with them again? So we see that in Acts the disciples are gathered with Jesus and they probably think, gosh, things have gone back to normal. And they say to Jesus, finally, Jesus, um, you're the Messiah and you have come back to take down the Roman establishment. And so they ask him in verse six, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus basically says, nope. That's not the plan. God has something else in mind. And then, right before their very eyes, the Bible says, Jesus was taken up into heaven while a cloud hid him from the disciples' sight. So Jesus has come back to life, has been bodily present with those he loves, and they think maybe things have gone back to normal, but then Jesus leaves them Again, talk about the ultimate social distancing. I wonder as the disciples are staring up into the sky, if they were thinking, now what? Now what do we do? We are once again in these in-between times. 
So what does the story about Jesus ascending into heaven mean? Why did Jesus ascend to heaven and why does it matter for us? Well, Jesus' ascension is about two things. It is about his enthronement and our empowerment. His enthronement and our empowerment. First, I wanna talk about his enthronement. Our second text in Acts chapter two, as you heard, is part of a sermon that Peter preaches at Pentecost. Remember, Jesus was on the earth for 40 days before ascending to heaven, and then the apostles had to wait 10 more days before the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. And when the Holy Spirit comes, Peter understands the whole story of Israel, the whole reason for Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And then this is how he explains the ascension of Jesus to the crowd that's gathered. He says in Acts 2, verse 33, exalted to the right hand of God. That's what Peter says. And friends, this, this now is where Jesus is. If you want to know where Jesus is, Jesus is exalted at the right hand of God. His body, still marked with the wounds of the cross, is right now sitting at the right hand of God in heaven. Now, the right hand of God is about authority and power, and Corey will preach more on that next week. But when we say we believe that Jesus ascended into heaven, we are saying that Jesus is exalted. Exalted. Now, a word about heaven. Many of us might think of heaven as being a place high up in the sky above the clouds where there might be some cherubs playing on harps. And even in this text, it says that the disciples were looking up. But actually, the New Testament scholar N.T. Wright says that heaven is more like another dimension. It's not some place up in the sky, but N.T. Wright calls it God space. Heaven is God space, and earth is our space. They're two different dimensions. And Wright argues that the Bible's vision and God's plan is that heaven and earth are designed to overlap and interlock, and that one day they will be joined back together again. Wright says this in his book, Surprised by Hope. What we are encouraged to grasp precisely through the ascension itself, is that God's space and ours, heaven and earth, in other words, are, though very different, not far away from one another. And one day, they will be joined in, quite new, in, in a quite new way, open and visible to one another, married together forever. I kind of think of it like maybe getting a call from someone on a different coast. I have a brother and some cousins who live um, in California on the West Coast, and we are here on the East Coast, three hours away. And it's sort of like if I call my family on the West Coast, we are a little bit in the future. But when we're talking, we're talking kind of at the same time, even though there's different times. We're in two different places but we are together. 
Or it's kind of like being on a Zoom call where you, you probably have done a lot of those, where you are talking to someone and they are present with you on an iPad or a computer screen, but not really present there. And you know that they're in another place. That is what it's like that Jesus is in heaven. So if heaven is not up in the sky, why do the disciples look up? Well, the idea of a king or ruler ascending wasn't a foreign concept to those um, in scripture um, and in to the people in this time period. In Roman history, in fact, there were other accounts such as Romulus taken to heaven in a cloud. And this ascent signified the deification of a noteworthy person. So Jesus' ascension proves that Jesus is actually the true King of kings and Lord of lords. Heaven is a place where Jesus is exalted. Heaven is a place where Jesus is reigning at the right hand of God. So listen again to Acts 33 through 36. Peter says, Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. See, Peter is saying, look, Jesus ascended into heaven. He is exalted and he is really, really Lord over heaven and earth, just like he said. And it proves it because he ascended into heaven. The Old Testament reference he makes is to Psalm 110, which describes the Messiah as being one who will triumph over his enemies, who will be a priest, and who will one day return, but for now is sitting at the right hand of God until God makes his enemies a footstool for the Lord. And so there's a season of waiting where Jesus is exalted, but he will one day return. The ascension of Jesus helps us understand this reality, the reality of what is really, really true about the world and the universe, despite what we see around us or what we feel in this dimension on earth. And the truth is that Jesus is Lord, full stop. And this helps us as we are in this in-between time, living between this already and not yet, kingdom of God. The ascension is about Christ's exaltation as king, his enthronement. But secondly, the ascension is also about our empowerment, our empowerment. And so earlier we proclaimed in the Heidelberg Catechism where we asked, how does the ascension benefit us? The ascension benefits us in three ways. Jesus intercedes for us, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit, and Jesus will return to make his rule complete. So for those of you who are kids watching along, I'm going to have a little bit of a, um, you can follow along with me, adults as well, a, a way that we can use our bodies to remember these things. The first thing that the ascension um, does to benefit us is that Jesus intercedes for us. 
and we can put prayer hands together to remember this. Jesus intercedes for us. Romans 8:34 says this. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God. He's ascended and is also interceding for us. See, Jesus is the only one who can mediate between us and the Father because Jesus is the only one who was both fully human and fully God. And he is now at the right hand of the Father and saying to God, Father, here are my wounds. See what I have accomplished, your will on the cross, and I have triumphed over the grave. Sin has been taken care of on the cross, and now your people are righteous. And so Jesus is that mediator for us. And the scripture also says he is constantly living to intercede for us, praying for us. He is a mediator between us and God. Secondly, this ascension benefits us because Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit. And that symbol is of a dove. At Pentecost, there were flames that came down and it felt like a dove that came down and the Holy Spirit, that is the sign of the Holy Spirit. The ascension reminds us that Jesus promised he would send the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Acts chapter one, Jesus told the disciples to stay in Jerusalem until they received the power of the Holy Spirit. And so then in Acts chapter two, when the Holy Spirit comes, Peter and the the other apostles are filled with the Holy Spirit and they understand Jesus' words. They were empowered now to go out into the world. And Jesus says um, in John 16, 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the access that we now have that when Jesus ascended to heaven, to this other realm, to be with God, he sent the Holy Spirit to now then be present with all believers everywhere, all at the same time, rather than one person or in a specific time and place. And now that helper is with us to help us. The summer before my junior year in college, I went on a summer project with Campus Crusade for Christ in Santa Cruz, California. And it was a 10-week program where college students from all over the United States gathered and we stayed. Um, We stayed in a hotel near the beach. And um, our role there was to get jobs on the boardwalk um, and to live incarnationally as witnesses um, of Jesus in the workplaces and then also to be discipled um, in community. And so there were adult leaders that were part of this project, other staff members from Crusade, and we were broken up into different rooms where we had um, a a leader who was our discipler um, and the team of college students 
And we gathered uh, weekly to worship together. We gathered to pray, to, to learn, um, and to grow, to have teaching. And then also we were in our workplaces um, spreading the gospel of Jesus in word and in deed and by our witness. Well, five weeks into the program, and this is the way the program is designed, the adult leaders of the program actually leave. And what they do is they assign some of the students to be the leaders for the next five weeks, the rest of the time um, of the program. And then they just go home and leave us there. Uh, I don't remember if they even checked in on us or called us. And I actually was uh, charged to be the associate director of the program. There was another person, a co-director and I, and we were supposed to lead now this group of 40 college students and to continue doing the work that we had been doing the first five weeks. Well, needless to say, I felt pretty unsure of myself and thought, were these leaders crazy? What if we mess up? Felt lonely and unsure and nervous, afraid of failing and adequate in my own abilities. But you know what? That next five weeks of being alone without our leaders there was such a gift. It was a gift because we were forced to depend on Jesus, depend on the Holy Spirit in our lives in a way that I had never done before. And I would never have done that had those leaders been there to continue their teaching and the discipleship and their leadership. But because they entrusted us with that mission, we were then having to step out in faith and actually live out and continue out our mission and purpose while we were there in Santa Cruz. Never would I have grown and known that what, what we could have done. And so in that time, my faith grew. Lives were continuing to be impacted. And most importantly, I realized that it wasn't up to me that I couldn't produce better results, but it was because of the Holy Spirit who was faithful. The Holy Spirit whose gifts empowered me to trust in the power of God, first of all, and the purposes of a God, and to live out um, Christ's mission in the world. That is the benefit when Jesus says that he will ascend to heaven and send us the Holy Spirit the benefit is that we now are empowered by the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in our lives to carry on the work of Jesus in the world. And that was God's plan. That was what Jesus was wanting the disciples to see. Thirdly, and finally, a benefit of the ascension is that Jesus will return to make his rule complete. He doesn't just go to heaven and stay there. He promises that one day he will return. And this motion is hands clasped. That the heaven will come down and join with the earth and we will have the new heavens and the new earth. And Christ's presence will fully appear to us again once and for all. In Acts 1, when the disciples were looking up into heaven... Angels appeared and they asked him, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? 
This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. It's a promise. At the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses 1 through 3, this is the vision that John had. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Do you see that? Coming down. Prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And so that promise that Jesus will come back again and he will return, bringing heaven to earth and join and so that we can have the final triumph, the final victory and the celebration where Jesus will be with us forever. Peter, after he preached the sermon at Pentecost, says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. He claims Jesus' lordship. And it says in verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and to the other apostles, this is true, what shall we do? And friends, that's the same question that we ask ourselves today. If this is true, that Jesus' ascension points to the fact that he is exalted, that he is Lord, and that we are empowered to be his people, what shall we do? And Peter replies in verse 38 of Acts chapter 2, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The word repent means to change one's minds and intention. Because baptism for the early Christians was a public act of allegiance. When they were baptized, they were declaring that their lives belonged to Jesus, the true son of God, and not the Roman Caesar, who was a self-declared son of God. Their allegiance was supposed to be to the emperor, but in being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, they were saying to the world, Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. And Jesus has my full allegiance. And so Peter is saying to those gathered, and God is saying to us, it makes a difference when we think that Jesus is king. Not only of our lives, not only for our lives, but it makes a difference for the whole universe. So I want to ask you, who and what are the things that are the kings of your heart? Who and what are the things that are the kings of this world? And what would it be like if Jesus was enthroned in my life and in the world? What would the world or what should the world look like because Jesus is Lord and he is reigning? You see, we are called to live in the reality of Christ's kingship. He is Lord right now. 
And so we ought to change our minds and our allegiance to Jesus and to live announcing this reign. This is our call, brothers and sisters, to announce his lordship, his reign, and be working in our lives toward making that reign true and real. Because God's intention is to bring that heaven and earth together. But in the in-between time, in this season of already and not yet, in these times when we are still crying out, how long we are called to be working through the power of the Holy Spirit, that gift that Jesus gives us, that we are empowered to go out and to be bringing that kingdom, continuing Jesus' kingdom work here on earth. So I have an illustration. I'm going to try to be like Corey here. Another way of looking at this ascension is that after Jesus died and rose again and he was spending time with his disciples, apostles, he ascended into heaven. Now remember, it's, heaven's not a place that is up, but I'm just signifying up because it signifies Jesus being exalted. His crown, Jesus is king. And this is where Jesus is, exalted at the right hand of God, the Father. He is ruling, he is reigning. He is mediating, he's interceding for us. And when Jesus ascended into heaven, He sent the promised Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit here on earth to proclaim the reign of Christ, to proclaim that Jesus is Lord, and we are given gifts to work out the kingdom. And those uh, gifts are lived out in this this already and not yet time right here. It's already and not yet. This time where we're waiting, waiting for the fulfillment of Jesus' promise that he will come back and bring the kingdom of heaven and unite it with earth. And Jesus will be with us forever, once again. In his person. And as we long for that, we long and for the day when we will see him face to face once again. That is a promise of scripture. So Christians, we believe Jesus ascended to heaven, that he was enthroned as our King and Lord, so that we can be empowered to live out his rule. May that be so for you. Uh, in conclusion, I want to actually say, tell you this one quote from N.T. Wright, who says, in case you imagine that God's kingdom will be forced on an unwilling world by an all-powerful church, Acts makes it quite clear that the method of the kingdom will match the message of the kingdom. The kingdom will come as a church 
energized by the Spirit, goes out into the world, vulnerable, suffering, praising, praying, misunderstood, misjudged, vindicated, celebrating, always, as Paul puts it in one of his letters, bearing about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest. May that be true of us as we wait and watch and work for Jesus' kingdom to come. May we live out the ways that Jesus showed us so that his life may also be manifest in us and to the world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you did ascend to heaven. We thank you that your ascension assures us that you are king, you are Lord, you are reigning. Lord, help us to grab a hold of that truth, that reality, when it's hard for us to see that in our world. Lord, give us eyes through the power of your Holy Spirit to see signs of your kingdom breaking through even right now in, on earth. And may we point to those signs. May we continue to work for those signs, for they are a foretaste of the day when your kingdom will come down from heaven and be joined to earth. And we will once again be renewed in all things. For the Lord, that is your awesome plan. God, empower us, give us courage, make us faithful witnesses of Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.